All right, exciting. Good morning. Welcome to church. Uh, so glad you guys are here. Let's start with our shouts. What do we do? We love God and we love others. And what do we say? I love God and I love you. A couple of housekeeping things I wanted to let you know. Uh, we have only two weeks left if you're planning to go on missions this summer. Uh, we already have enough for a team, so don't feel pressured that you have to go, but uh, we would love for you to go. Those applications need to be in by the end of this month, uh, uh, just to let you know. Um, another thing, a question. How many people did their homework? You had homework, uh, read First Peter or listen to First Peter. Ooh, that's like all the three A's and the rest of you are effing it right now. That was a O for one. That means you got an F at church so far. So uh, feel free to read. We're reading, uh, we're studying through First Peter. So I want to encourage you to read First Peter uh, on your own uh, or listen to it at home. And that was our challenge. It wasn't a homework. It was a challenge last week. And so um, uh, you've seen on your chair, that's uh, for a little bit later, there's more homework coming. So in case you thought we were one of those wish-washy churches, no way, we got stuff to do. So uh, glad you guys are joining us here, uh, uh, here this morning. Like I love when we're together worshiping as a family. Um, it's my favorite day of the week. I love Sunday. Um, I love being with you guys. I love being led in worship and, and walking into God's presence. And so, so glad that you're here. We've wrapped up our time. Uh, we were talking about that prayer wall about five weeks ago. So the prayer wall where we were praying and then we were moving them over to the answered column. And, and so that was really cool. Was, I've seen uh, some of those cards getting shifted over to the answered. What we're going to do with our prayer wall is um, we're going to make it so uh, each month we're going to be praying and it's going to become a public prayer wall. So if you want someone to pray for your prayer request, you're going to put it on that. So, uh, and, and so that'll be kind of redefined. And what we're going to do is at the uh, beginning of each month, we're going to take all the cards that are on there at our Praise, Prayer, and Proclamation, our PPP night, and we're going to have someone's going to for sure pray for your, your prayer request that's on there. And then if you see them out there and you want to just, uh, God moves you to pray, just grab one and you can read it and pray for that. So that's going to be a public prayer wall that we're going to uh, have perpetually. And then we're going to take all those cards off each month, so it'll be fresh each month. And if you have the same prayer request, you could write it again and put it on up there and someone will pray for it again next month. If you have a new or different prayer request, you can put that again. And so that way we can keep our prayers moving and fresh and you know that someone is praying for them, not just you giving it to God, but also know that some of your friends will be interceding on your behalf as we pray for those. So that's something that's coming uh, uh, starting next month, so pretty exciting. So we're in this series called Redefined. In our first week, we were talking about how God redefines how we view struggles in life. Then our second week, we were talking about how God redefines the internal self, uh, who we are inside. And then this week, we're going to be talking about how uh, Jesus redefines our place and our position in this world. And we're continuing just verse by verse through 1 Peter. And so today, we're in 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to begin at uh, uh, verse 4 here. And so here's how we're jumping right into the text. He says, As you come to him, the living stone... Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, you're being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Christ, uh, Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And so as we're looking at redefine, you see in this passage, he's saying, here's now who you are. Here is your position and your place in the world. And, and if you look here, it looks just like Jesus. Jesus was the stone. Now we're the living stone. Jesus was the sacrifice. Now we get to sacrifice. It's, it's a fantastic parallel that, that we get to be like Jesus. Here you see that he says, 
right here, Jesus is a stoner, you get to be a stoner. Or Jesus is a stone, not a stoner. Stoner is an old phrase for a marijuana user, young people, in case you didn't know that one. Um, but yeah, you get to be a stone just like Jesus is a stone. But he talks about a living stone. That's a weird, a weird word, right? A living stone. What does that mean? A living stone is something that's firm and solid, yet alive and dynamic. He says Jesus is that way. He's firm and solid, yet he's not dead. He's alive and he's dynamic. And what does he say? We are redefined so that we can become like him. We also are living stones. And our spiritual house, us together, as we gather, we're being built up. That's the church, all of us together. We're being built up as living stones into this building that honors God. Strong like stone, but not cold like stone. Instead, it's a redefined type of stone. Living stone, firmly connected, theologically sound, relationally supportive, as each of us takes our place as we imitate Christ in Christ's building. Church needs to be a stronghold, but not as an unassailable fortress. Living stones, they're strong, but they're, they're open. Like, like, like a place of safety, but with open gates that all people can come and find health and nourishment and safety. And it says this church here, it's, it's led by the great high priest. But it's filled with other holy priests. And that's not me. It's each of you. So, so Jesus says, I'm the great high priest. There was an old priest system. He's redefining that. And he's saying, you know, who's the priest now? It's not just from the line of Aaron. The, the priests now are all who have come to Jesus. He's redefining your position, your place in this world. He's the ultimate sacrifice. And it says here in the, in the scripture that we also then get to sacrifice for God as well. Together we give ourselves to share his love for other people, to mimic the sacrificial love of Jesus that, that he demonstrated to us, willingly giving our all in pursuit of those who are far off from God, willing to sacrifice to get people just like Jesus did. He came to this earth to sacrifice to get us, and we get the opportunity to then follow that example and sacrifice to grab a hold of other people as well. Loving the unlovable, showing deep, committed love to those who are right on your left and right on your right, right next to you this morning. We stand on the rock of Jesus, redefined to be like him. Here's more on that idea next. Now to you who believe, this stone's precious. But to those who don't believe, that stone that the builders rejected, he's actually become the cornerstone. And, and a stone that causes people to stumble. And a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. So you look here, Jesus is the dividing line for eternal things. It's either Jesus for Jesus or it's against Jesus. There's no middle ground. He says this stone is it's either the building block in which, which all things are built in your life or it's the stumbling block which causes you to reject and turn away from, from God. Jesus is that defining point. What you think about Jesus is the most important thing on this planet. How you interact, react, whether you choose to allow him to redefine you. That's the most important decisions we're making are all about Jesus. And so he's either the cornerstone or he's the stumbling stone. Before you believed, he was, 
He was a block that was in the way. But then his grace and salvation redefined you. Same stone. What changes is our attitude and our belief toward that stone. As a kid, I, uh, I hated salad. I hated lettuce. I hated all things vegetable. Are there any young people who hate salad, who hate like vegetable things? It was just me? Okay, that's weird. It's always just me. You guys never sin when I say that kind of stuff. You, you all ate healthy your whole lives. I like McDonald's, but no one else does. I get it. Okay, I'm the bad one. That's all right. But as a kid, I hated salad. I couldn't stand it. I didn't want to eat it. But now, I like salad. No, I almost love salad. I love, I, I keep requesting my wife, she cooks amazing, and I'm like, let's have salad night again, you know? And she's like, salad night? There's not even any cooking involved. You just chop vegetables. I was like, yeah, let's have salad night. I was legitimately sad when soup plantation went bankrupt. But not because the soup part of the plantation. That was never good. I, it shouldn't have been named soup plantation. The soup wasn't good. What was good for me, the salad was good and, and putting all the stuff on the salad. And so, I don't know, really weird. About three months ago, you guys have regular orders when you go places. I go to Del Taco maybe once, uh, once a week or once every other week or so. Uh, I have a regular order that I used to get, two chicken soft tacos, you know, and, and who gets the same thing whenever they go all the time? But about three months ago, I switched. I betrayed my 15 years of one-week commitment to fast food, and, and I, was at, I was at Del Taco, and I got the vegetarian burrito. And I didn't even get it because I care about health. I got it because it tasted better. And I was like, why? Like, what happened to me? I used to be so different. But now I like vegetables. What's going on? Same plants. They didn't get tastier. I changed. My taste buds were redefined. And now it becomes something that I enjoy. See, what was nasty is now delicious. And spiritually speaking, the same thing is with Jesus. It's the same stone. Either he's the stumbling stone or he's the stone in which we build our lives on. And it depends on how you approach him. It depends on, it depends on you. Jesus is constant and the same. It's our attitude towards him that matters, our belief in him, our decision to follow him that changes who he is in our lives. And that redefines our purpose and position in, in this world when we come to Jesus. Next, there's this incredible passage that you actually have. Uh, you don't need to look it up. It's the one right on your your lap's right there, right, that was on your chair. This is 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. And see if you can see how positions and, and place in this world has changed as Jesus redefines it right here. He says, but you, you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You're God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not my people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Here's your homework. This one's real homework. Memorize this verse, church. Who's willing to do it? Raise your hand. I'm going to keep you thinking minutes. Who's going to do it? I'm a, we're going to memorize a verse this week. We don't. How many times have I ever asked you to do that? Come on, raise your hand. You're going to memorize. No, I'm not telling you. I'm making you raise your hand. Raise your hand because you're going to memorize this verse this week. We together are going to memorize it. Next week, we're going to say it all together out. And we could have a cheat sheet if you need because you've got an older brain. That's fine. We're going to say it all together next week because 
This, this text right here is critically important. You need to get this as you're being shaped. If you're a, a little older, you probably figured out your place in this world. But this, this passage, if you're anywhere between 13 and 35, you've got to memorize this thing. You've got to allow this verse to seek deep into you. This is critically important. I'm not sure there's a more important verse for you in the Bible, especially if you're, if you're in this like questioning stage or, or maybe you're older and you've been questioning your whole life. What are you doing here on the planet? Why are you here? What does God think of me? How, how do I navigate all these different emotions that I go through? This is the verse you've got to memorize. It's, it's critically, critically important. It's a foundational idea for finding our position and place in this world. This is one of my like a geek out go-to. You guys have heard me share this verse before because this is how God sees you as believers. This is the ultimate redefined because it's what God says about you. It's what God calls you to be. It's how God actually sees you. So hear what I'm saying. This verse is how God sees you. The moment you say yes to Jesus, he said, something changes. That, that rock was a stumbling block. You say yes to Jesus. This is your new reality. You don't have to earn it or attain it. This is, this is conferred upon you. This is who you become. This is your new position in place. This verse right here is who you are. If you ever wondered, what's my identity? Who am I? Where, do, where am I going in this world? This is it but not because you decided. God says, this is who you are in my eyes. The moment you say yes to Jesus, everything gets redefined. This is not how we see ourselves. Look at that list. Chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation, God's special possession. I don't see myself that way. This isn't a self-declarative verse. This is God declaring God's word to you. If you can hear me, God has saying something to you this morning. If you don't hear anything else, especially our young people, if you don't hear anything else, hear this verse this morning. This is what God wants to say to you. He brought you here on purpose. Listen carefully. This is God's word to you. And it's definitely not who we were before we were redefined. So let's break this down a little bit. In Jesus, our position and our purpose is completely redefined. There's an old kind of us redefined to a new stated verse here, us. The first thing he says is you're a chosen people. It's easy, it's sometimes easier to see what, what the reality is when we see the opposite. The opposite of a chosen person is a rejected person. Before you were rejected, you were rejected in all things, supernatural, spiritual. On this earth, you probably felt that way. Anyone ever get rejected by stuff? You know, my, my wife rejected me. Oh, maybe a hundred times before she eventually said yes. Every time she rejected me and said no to go on a date, to go to homecoming twice, prom twice, I was sad. Rejection really stunk. It was terrible. There wasn't a good part about it. Just, just horrible. You know, when I was a freshman in high school, I tried out for the badminton team. I've told you this before. She laughed because she knew how that went. I got cut. I did not make the badminton team as a freshman. Now, that is a sad, sad reality. I may have had a tear because I couldn't make the worst team of all the sports in the high school. Not football team, not basketball team. I couldn't make the badminton team. I was pretty sad. So I turned to uh, the theater department and I tried out for a play. I made a play. I got a part. And I was like, now I love this. And so I was really happy when I was chosen 
to be part of the, the play. I was sad when I was rejected. And this is what God says to you. You're a chosen person. Jesus, also known as Ash Ketchum Christ, he says, I choose you, right? That's what he says. Now, you don't have to go in a Pokeball. Pikachu never does. I learned that this week as I was uh, trying to use that phrase. No, Pikachu never went in a Pokeball. He doesn't like it, apparently. Who knew? I don't know. I, I knew about Pokemon Poke, Poke all this time, and I never knew. You don't go in the ball. That's amazing. But God says, I choose you. Now, that matters. If ever you've been waiting to be picked on a team, and they were going to that guy, and then that girl, and then got, that girl got chosen before you, and then that other guy, and that other girl, and that guy, and then you're waiting there, and you're last, and like, man, I feel like such a loser. But Jesus says, you know what? I choose you. You are a chosen person. I want you. Not I, I got to have you, I guess. Oh, fine, put him on my team. He's like, no, that's the one I want. You're the one I want. I choose you. He calls you a royal priesthood next. The opposite of a, a royal priesthood is a, is a trashy spiritual liability, right? That's what you were before. You were a trashy spiritual liability. You didn't care about God. You weren't doing God things. You're spiritually dead without any obligation to the supernatural. But God says, you know what, I'm going to redefine you. You're redefined as now you're a holy priesthood. You know, I don't feel like a priest and I don't feel holy. And says, well, I'm telling you that's what you are. Holy means set apart for righteousness. Priesthood is someone who speaks to others on behalf of God, who, who blesses people that are around them in the name of the Lord, who shares God's goodness with those that are near them. And God says, that's what you are. That's who you are. Your place in this world is redefined. You're no longer spiritually irrelevant. You're actually a holy priesthood in your family, with your friends, at your workplaces. God's calling every single one of you. And this isn't a passage to pastors. You hear me, young person? God says, you're the holy priest. You get in your group, there's four girls standing around. Guess who's the priest? That's you. You're the boss of this. You need to say, hey, we need some Bible study. We need to memorize this verse I got right here. Boom, you know? like You're the holy priest. You're the one to encourage, to pray for, to care over, to love and bless those that are next to you. God calls you that. It's who you are now. God gives you an incredibly important position, a work to do, because you are somebody in God's eyes. Next he says, uh, you are a holy nation. Holy nation, before that, sinful individuals. Sinful individual, you're just on your own grabbing what you can, living for yourself, stacking sin. It didn't matter. It was just about you. You do you. But Jesus redefines you and he says, no, you become a holy nation. You become a, a set-apart nation. People who are free to live well and shame-free together with other like-minded folks. He says, I'm calling you to be a new, different kind of people. You're my holy nation. You are set apart for me. You're, you're a priest, but you're not alone. You're a people. You're a nation. And then he says, you're God's special possession. This is critically important. The opposite of God's special possession is Satan's despised possession. Before you're redefined, your daddy 
is Satan, the devil. And even if you serve the devil your whole life, he still hates you. There's a bumper sticker that says, I would rather uh, rule in hell than serve in heaven. Well, that's just a complete misunderstanding of hell. See, Satan doesn't rule hell. When Satan gets thrown into hell, eventually, right now he's on earth, he gets tortured and tormented. He's not in charge of anybody. He's a prisoner. He's tortured. And people that are thrown into hell, they don't get anything either. They're tortured and separated from God. You don't get a reward. You serve devil your whole life. He doesn't give you any rewards. He still hates you. He hates you just as much as when he first started. There's nothing good or right in him. All he has is lies and evil for you. So there's no reward or gift for being owned by Satan. You're just owned. But that's who you are before you come to Christ. But Christ redefines you so that now you're God's special possession, different from all of other creation. You're special. Would you hear this, family? You, you got to take this in. This is your position in God's eyes. This is your place for all of eternity. If I could get you young people to hear anything, especially our young folks, I, I know that there's stuff going on in your head. I know that there's stuff that says, like, you're not good enough or you're not beautiful enough or you're too out of, out of shape. You're, not, you're ugly or you're, you're dumb or you're no good or you're not valuable or you're not worth anything or you're not seen. I know that goes in your head all the time. I know that kind of lies jumble, jumbles you up and tells you that you're a waste or you're, you're, you're nothing on this planet. You're not special. You're nobody. But listen to what God says, not what I say. But listen to what God says. God says, you're my special possession. Like, you're something that someone who matters to me. When I look at you, God says, Oh, I get a smile. I look at you, I'm, I'm stoked just to, just to watch you. Anyone have special possessions in their life? Something they just, maybe is a special gift you got, and every time you see it, you're like, oh man, that's so cool, so blessed. Maybe, you know, your, your kids wrote you a letter, or painted you a little picture, I got some of those. Every time I see them, five, ten years later, I'm like, oh, that's so cute, so blessed. God's like that. He, every time he sees you, he's like, oh man, so blessed, so cool. I love you, you are my special possession. Don't listen to the enemy and don't listen to the world. The enemy tells you you're, you're nothing, you're trash, you're, you're unwanted. But God, that's not what God says. God says you are my special possession, his prized child. That's you. Then it, next it says uh, you get to become a praise declarer before you were a self-proclaimer. Self-centered, looking to honor yourself, you're redefined to be a praise declarer. One who points to God, lives for him, honors him. Then he says you, you get to walk in the light. The opposite of that is a darkness dweller. Now, dark, not, not cool darkness like Batman, just like bat, that's it. Not, not cool. Bad darkness, darkness in the negative sense, as in no bueno. That's who you used to be. And darkness is terrible. I, I'm scared of the dark. I don't like really dark places. I don't like dark, scary forests. I don't watch scary movies. You know, I, I don't like that kind of stuff. But God says you're redefined. You're not into that negative at all. Instead, you're a light walker. And that sounds way better, to walk in the light. He says you are a people belonging to God before you did not belong. Yeah, 
you're bad, you're sad, alone, naked and afraid, and you're redefined to be a people who belong to God. Now, belonging is a critical part of human wellness. Every human being has this desire to belong, every single human being, whether it's to a team or a club or a LARPing group or a gym folks or you're at CrossFit, you know, like whatever it is, there's, we all have a desire to belong. People look for belonging in a thousand different places, but the best place to find it is in God. Everyone is welcome in God's kingdom. This is where you belong. If you're hearing me today, right here at church, in God's kingdom, with God's people, that's where you belong. He says, you are now a people who belong to me. You're my people, God says. And the last we see here is, uh, once you had not received mercy, but now you're a mercy receiver. Before you had rejected mercy. Mercy is God's unmerited goodness towards you. His, his willingness to withhold punishment and deliver love and grace and goodness to you instead. Before you didn't receive that. But once you have Jesus, he redefines you so that every day you can wake up and you say, God, I know I didn't live perfect yesterday, but your mercy is new today. I get to receive it again. I'm a receiver of your mercy. You're not rejecting me, God. Even if I messed up, you're not rejecting me. So some of you guys are going to sin today. And just because you sin, that doesn't negate these verses. If you go and do something super stupid, that doesn't negate this truth about you. This is who God says you are, not, not because you do anything, but because he loves you. If you say yes to Jesus, this is your new reality. Redefined. So check out our final section uh, today as we see our position in this world redefined. In uh, 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12, he says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they could see your good deeds and they glorify God on the day that he visits. I love this. I love this. That, that you are a citizen. You are no longer a citizen of earth but you are a citizen of eternity. Once you believe, you became a foreigner here. This earth, it's not your place anymore because your citizenship is in heaven. I love it because you're no longer an American or a Korean or an Indian or a Chinese or Japanese or a Belizean or a Brazilian, Mexican or an African, Pacific Islander, Filipino or Thai. But you're a Christian whose passport reads heaven. Do we got that passport reading heaven? Wah, wah. Well, oh, there it is. Did you see that? It says you're not of this earth anymore. That's not what your passport reads. Your passport reads kingdom of heaven now, once you accept Christ as your Savior. And I love that. And a side note here, I, I can't tell you how much I love that, that our church could list off. I listed those ethnicities I was listing off. They were people who are actually in our church. Every one of those. Th those aren't made-up ones or people who don't come here. Those are people who attend our church regularly. And, and I think I got everybody. Did I miss anyone? Maybe a visitor who's not one of those that I mentioned? You can shout it out. We celebrate you. But you're not that anymore. You're a Christian now. <laughs> the kingdom of heaven. But I, I love that we, we get to be like I think heaven looks like, 
no longer about our ethnicity or our country of origin, but one because we're one in Christ, saints of heaven. Once we believe that we're just, just visiting this place, then like the troubles or the hardships of this world become insignificant because it's just a rental. It's just like, you know, I get a rental car. I'm not that careful with it, right? I don't care. It's not my car. I'm going 50 on the freeway, see if it can, you can throw it in reverse and do a Fast and Furious, you know. Well, I, uh, it doesn't matter that much to me because it's not mine. And so no matter what happens on this earth, it, it's not your place. It's not your permanent place. We know what awaits, and so no matter what happens here, eh. Since we aren't of this world anymore, we ought to reject the sinful desires of this world. We got to reject the priorities of this world and the loves of this world and live with the desires belonging to kingdom saints. Live out our redefined position to please God, honor Him in front of other people, just like He was saying right there. Not to live to please ourselves or to get recognized by people. We don't do good deeds to be noticed. By people, we want to be noticed by God. But you know what? When you do good deeds, people are going to notice. And they're going to glorify God because they've watched your life this whole time. Are you living your life in such a way that even if someone accused you of doing wrong, everybody would know that that's a false accusation? Is that how you've lived your life? That, that even if they, they accused you, the rest, all of society, and people looking around, even non-believers, they'd be like, what are you talking about? That person's not that. Something like if, if someone said, Pastor Trevor is not tall. Ah, that's just ridiculous, right? That's, that's dumb. We can clearly see that he is. Or, or what if someone said like, oh, Matt Hagehara, he steals money from the offering because he handles the offering. You laugh. Anyone who's met Matt Hagehara, there's no way he steals offering. He's the most upright and righteous person I know. I'm fully confident that he is not stealing the offering. If someone said like, Hedgen Tom's like my wife, she cusses a lot. She says a lot of bad words. Y'all laugh. That's not true. If you ever met her, she never said a single, like not even like a close bad word until she married me, and then now we've had some. She had never said like, I don't know how many bad words we could say in church. She never said like crap before, before we got married. Now m maybe she has. I mean, her, her worst bad word was, Damn, that was the worst one. But not the water one, but the other kind of bad one. That was like extreme. So if someone said like, yeah, she was cussing all around. <laughs> no, she's not. If someone accused me of eating the last cookie. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably true, right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, he did. I, I probably did. We ought to live such good, loving, beautiful lives in our real life, not our church life here. Our church life too, but not just our church life. You know what I'm saying? We've got to live such beautiful, amazing lives and out loud in front of all these people that, that they can't say Christians are bigots or Christians are hateful or Christians are jerks because the Christian they know isn't. And that, that accusation doesn't stick at all. Because everyone will see that something's different because you've been redefined in Christ. Today, we're seeing that God redefines our place in this world, our position. And I want you to pray something with me, and I want you to commit to memorize this first. I think it's so important for our identity. So we're going to memorize that, and we're going to, we're going to 
share this verse together again next week. But I want you to kind of pray something with me right now. Maybe, maybe go something like this. Father, I want to live this reality that you're talking about in the Bible here. I want to live in the freedom and the goodness that you offer. I want to live a life redefined. I want my life to look like this verse in 1 Peter chapter 2. God, help me to allow my heart to connect with my mind, hearing that I'm a, your prized possession. Wow. Hearing that I'm chosen by you, that you want me. God, help that to be my lived reality. Would you pray that in your own words? And then we're going to worship together.